Welcome to the live stream, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Um, here with me is Dan, as we always have on Wednesdays, or at least it's been the trend the past couple weeks. I'm going to bring Dan on here in just a second. I want to do a quick little housekeeping before we start. Um, so we're going to go through, this is just going to be a homebuyer Q&A. Uh, so feel free to ask comments or ask questions in the chat. Already have a lot of people in here, which is awesome. Just know that like we're not ignoring your questions on purpose. Um, there are a lot of questions and so we're going to try and run through them as quickly as we can. So we will go in order. Um, so really quickly, just want to say Janet, Jaime, my brother's in here. Um, Henny, welcome Marlene V, Celine, Cassandra, Cal, Lex, uh, Raphael, SV, Donnie. Let me get your questions in a second. Also, uh, very sorry. I have like a cough drop in my throat is killing me today. Um, so I think I'm gonna have Dan answer all of the questions for me. <laughs> um, so with the amount of questions that come in, if you want to bump your question to the top, there is a feature in YouTube called Super Chat where you're welcome to um, donate to have your question answered quickly. You absolutely don't have to. But I do want to give a shout out to the people who did that uh, this past week. We have Kasun Melinda, Susanna Yo, Indentured Rebel, which is a fantastic name. The Muse. Uh, Susanna Yo did it twice. John Kelly. Um, thank you so much. And then I also wanted to answer um, a couple of questions I couldn't get around to from the last stream uh, or that I got. I didn't know the answer fully. The first one was, uh, can a, t a form 1007 be used on a rental income on a departing residence? I gave a wrong answer on that, um, which I do sometimes because I'm a human being and I don't know the answer to every single thing off the top of my head. So you actually need an executed lease agreement um, here in Right here is uh, FHA requirements for that and USDA as well. If you want to pause it, take a screenshot, zoom in. Um, second, does a temporary buy down affect your interest rate? With some lenders it does, but not all. And when it does, it's such a minute difference, like a hundred bucks uh, in difference in your loan costs, like upfront, not monthly, if you get a buy down. And then finally, um, so people are asking about assumable mortgages. And uh, I am going to bring Dan on here. So this is Dan Frio. I'm going to get to the Super Bowl here in just a second. Um, Dan and I work on the same team. And Cal, thank you for your Super Chat. I see that. I'm going to answer that here in just a second. Uh, work on the same team. We're all li we're licensed in all 50 states. Um, and lost my train of thought because I think I'm getting sick. And this is going to be a blast oh, to see oh, how oh. this gets a little derailed here. Um, but with assumable mortgages, I know someone asked about this last stream and we both were kind of like, eh, not super familiar with it or more familiar with the concept, just not the details. Long story short with an assumable mortgage is if you're looking at buying a house and the seller has a government loan. So FHA, USDA, VA, those loans can be assumed. Basically means you can take over the seller's mortgage. So for instance, if interest rates right now are six and a half percent, but that seller has, let's say a 3% FHA loan, you can actually ask that lender, well, the seller will have to initiate that for you, qualify for their loan and take over that 3%-ish rate or whatever rate they have on that loan. The problem here is it has to be on one of those government loans and the lender has to approve it and you still have to qualify for that loan with certain credit score, certain debt to income ratio. Um, here's the other thing that's the big kicker here, why these are not super common is you have to bring the difference in cost. So let's say the home is $400,000 and the seller still owes 300,000. You can assume their mortgage, 
but you need to bring $100,000 to the closing table to pay the difference. Sometimes you can get a second, like a piggyback mortgage. I have not seen any lender that's actually offering that. It's something that's more available in theory than in practice. With all that out of the way, let's go ahead and get into some question and answer. Uh, Dan? I heard you. I was on the other side when you said Dan's going to answer all the questions. <laughs> and I was like, I'm already like, I feel like my uvula was like curb stomped today. If that's not the most uh, descriptive thing that you could possibly get. Um, gotcha. Nix, Nix, uh, Veg, Veg 90. I don't know how to say his name's Tracy. Welcome. All right, let's get into some questions here. Um, and Dan and I are getting better at answering these a lot quicker. Uh, at least in, in theory. Cal Drago official. What was the program for conventional loans that is supposed to come out on December 1st? Discount all conventional loans that is available to all lenders. So, yes, on December 1st, which is, how many days are there in November? 30 or 31? October do you know? 30. 30. I'll say, do you know how to do that little knuckle thing? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing that. I'm like, is it bad that I still do math with of nines? Yeah. You know that trick on your hand when you do that kind of thing? You know what? Remember, I don't know if you ever, they taught you guys, but when I was a kid, there was something called Chismbach or something like that, where they taught you math with your hands or whatever. I don't know. Somebody, if there's old people on here, they might see it. Yeah. It was called Chismbach or something like that. I still do with when it's like eight times nine, I do the like, oh, it's 72 thing. And I feel like at some point I should actually memorize that, but it's too late. Um, So, yes, on December 1st, basically, this is what's happening with uh, all conventional loans is I'm trying to figure out a way to explain it because I think when I made the video about it, people got confused. Basically, LPAs. Yeah. So what ended up happening or what's happened with loans is there's these things called loan level price adjustments. Basically, think about it as like a fee for how risky your loan is, but instead of an upfront cost, you have a higher rate. So in essence, if you have a lower credit score and a lower down payment, you're going to get charged a higher interest rate than somebody with a higher credit score and a higher down payment. Okay. So you get charged a higher interest rate for having a a quote unquote riskier loan on December 1st. Those are being wiped away for people who are first time home buyers and make under a hundred percent of the area median income. I have a video that shows you the map, how to figure this all out. Also how you can also qualify for this through another type of program called home ready or home possible. Um, and Cal, you asked about the name of the program. The program does not have a name. Uh, it's just a conventional loan. There's not a certain program. The only thing is it's just a conventional loan. Uh, and if you are a first time home buyer, which means you haven't owned a home in the past three years, um, or been on the title to home in the past three years, and you are under hundred percent of the area median income, then you qualify. So there's no like specific program name to it. Um, Travis, Hey fellas, spoke with Nico today and got my prequal done today. Thanks, y'all. Cheers. That's awesome. Nico is on our team as well. Um, how many how many loan officers? Four? You, you now have the you and three other loan officers on your team. Yeah, we'll say I think four. Uh, so let me put out this out there. If you if you try to get a hold of Kyle in the last week or two, please bear with us. Nico's overwhelmed. He is the the one helping or on Kyle's team. Uh, I just added two more loan officers to his team. 
to help solidify that. So if you have, if you, the, the, there's been delays with Nico and everything, I promise you I'm on it. I'll, I'll, I'm overstaffing in that department. Plus we moved this week. So we just finished that up today. Uh, so everything's back to normal. So if you, if you're trying to reach out to us in the last two weeks, I, I'll, I sincerely apologize on our behalf. It doesn't have anything to do with Kyle or Nico or anybody. It's just, we were understaffed for about two weeks because of the holiday and everything else, but we are, we're back to full force right now. So thanks for your patience. But if you've been waiting for Nico, please reach back out to him. You're free to email me or Kyle as well, but it'll all work its way to me. I promise you, you'll get contacted back and we'll, we'll get working with you immediately. Yep. Just email me too. Uh, down, I put my email in the description. Hi, May. Good to see my man. Are rates going up or down? Great question. Uh, nobody knows the answer to that. It depends on what's happening in the market. Um, I feel like rates are probably on the, the verge of like stabilizing to going down. Is that kind of where you feel like they're at? Yeah. Right now, when I was driving home, there was a bond auction. But just just to give you guys some feedback, I'm the I'm the like economics geek. Kyle's just the handsome fellow in the cr- in the crowd. I'm, I'm geek. So check out my channel. There's probably a lot of people here from my channel, but check it out. This is basically what I focus in on is just the economics behind uh, housing and everything else. You know where rates are going, why they're going in the direction they are, and everything else. Federal Chairman Powell came in today with a, on a speech. It's the last comments they'll make before the next meeting that they do. And uh, the information he put out today actually did very well for the markets. Rates come down a little bit. But just to give you guys a forewarning, rates were about 7.375 on average throughout the nation about three, four weeks ago. And they're about 6.625 right now. So they're down about a half a percent. Um, and the expectations for next year is the Federal Reserve is going to start to slow down their, their what they're doing. And rates should normalize and be a, about in the five and a half percent. Um, sweet. Okay, let's get through some questions. And Cal, yeah, go ahead and shoot me an email, and uh, we'll make sure that you get connected here. Um, Cubs Freak three forty five. What if you don't work for an, for two months and then find a job? How does that affect you getting a home, if at all? You want me to answer a lot of these? Yeah. Okay. So it's, it, there's, it depends. Every situation is a little unique. Okay. Just so, just because if you worked on a job for five, six, seven years and you, you were off for two months and then you're back in the same line of work, we, we should not have much of an issue there. But if you've been on a job, you've had three jobs in the last year and a half. Now you change jobs and now you're in a different field, but you took two months off. That might be a little challenging. So that's why we love when people actually call us or set up meetings that we can do one-on-ones because there's you know a lot of these issues that you have are, are unique, um, but they're, they're also, we need the background behind. So I'd love for you to contact us, schedule a meeting with me or one of the team, and uh, we'd like to do a one-on-one consultation just to look at exactly what you're, what you're working with. But just because you'd had two, two months off in job gaps, you, you might be okay. Um, what credit score should you have uh, to get the better chance at the maximum mortgage loan uh, you can within your DTI? So ultimately, like what, what credit score is best? Um, it, unfortunately, there isn't like a table where it's like if you have a 740, you get this and a 680, you get that. Um, basically, what ends up happening is your credit score changes how, quote unquote, risky your loan is. The lower your credit score, the more that an underwriting software views your loan as riskier, meaning it's going to give you less of a loan. And probably a better way to think about it is it's not really about uh, your credit score being attached to your loan size. It's actually your credit score changing what your debt to income ratio can be in the underwriting software. 
Um, so kind of pull everything behind the curtain. There is software that all lenders use. They take your loan application and then they put it into the software. The software kind of gives a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Doesn't give a lot of detail on why. Um, so that's where you're kind of relying on your loan officer's knowledge about how loans work to begin understanding like, oh, okay, if you're at a 679, getting to a 680 might help you get to a higher debt to income ratio, which allows you to qualify for more. Um, I also have a couple of videos on things like where you can use your rental income through the underwriting software to help nudge your approval in the right direction. It's not all of a sudden going to give you this magical approval and you can get whatever you want. It's just going to do this little bit of a nudge where it might help you qualify for a little bit of a higher uh, purchase price or get a higher loan than you could have previously. Um, Henny, what is the very first step to home buying? Would it be going to my bank and applying for a loan to see what programs there are to assist first-time homebuyers? I think you're in the right direction of, I think the first step is talking to a loan officer and getting pre-approved. Um, a lot of people want to shop for houses first, so they talk with a realtor. The problem is, there's not a lot of point in shopping for homes if you don't know what your monthly payment's going to be, what are the upfront costs, and can you even get approved for that home? Uh, it sets you up for a lot of emotional failure. If you go searching for a house and then you realize, oh, I can't make an offer on that. But then you already are kind of like emotionally committed to the to it. So I think talking with a loan officer is the best step. Um, you absolutely can talk to your bank if you'd like. You can also go to here, <laughs> whenthehouseyoulove.com. I just need to stop pointing. It's not helpful because everything is backwards. Um, I'm there. <laughs> and we'd love to to see if we can help you out as well. Celine, greetings from Boston. I don't know why I said your name like that, but uh, I'm glad you're here. Uh, Cassandra, I'm inheriting property and consider considering a USDA construction loan. Well, I need to build a well and run electric from the road. Um, I will say, if you are getting USDA construction, please tell me where you're getting it. Um, I believe the only lender that I knew of that was doing USDA construction paused. And then I heard, gosh, who was the other one that was doing USDA construction? It's a very hard program to find. Are you familiar with anyone doing USDA construction at the moment, Dan? Not USDA. We offer them with conventional and there is some pieces of FHA, but I, I haven't even delved into that yet because it's even just doing the, the end loan when somebody's building a property is kind of, it's tough sometimes because you don't know when it's going to be done and everything. But the construction loan, that, that's a toughie. Yeah. As far as your question, will I need to build a well and run electric from the road? Um, duh, 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 duh. I mean, the, the home will need to have power and also water. If that's if that's your question, I'm not 100% certain what uh, the alternative suggestion would be there. Um, okay, answer this. Lex Martinez. What's the best way to calculate buying power to see the maximum amount of house that you can afford? Um, so I actually have a calculator uh, that does this. It's called the Max Purchase Price Calculator. There's a link in the description. But the way that I set this up, um, where in the world is it? Let me see if I can find it here really quickly for you. Um, the way that this works here is you will put in your information. So things like your estimated down payment, um, what your income is, and then as well as things like, do you have any car loans, any credit card debt? Um, do you have a co-borrower who's going to be on the loan with you? So maybe we have somebody in here as well. And maybe they also have uh, student loans, and those are 350 a month. What this will then do is walk you through an exercise 
with the same math that loan officers use um, to help you see what your estimated payment would be along with your estimated purchase price, things like your down payment, your closing costs, um, and then begins walking through based on debt to income ratios. You know, what's a safe number? What's a risky number? Um, so, you know, a lender might approve you for a number like this, but is that actually going to be the best strategy for you? Um, that's really something that's up to you. And the whole goal of this calculator is to be able to play with these numbers and see what's comfortable. Um, I also put in things in here where you can estimate, uh, you know, what utilities might look like based on some rough averages. So you can begin seeing, okay, even though my mortgage payment is $26.53 a month, it might be smart to begin also planning on the extra $400 a month in costs like utilities or maintenance costs uh, for savings. Um, and then walks you through a bunch of other exercises, uh, does all the math for you, and then shows you different like affordability theories like what Dave Ramsey would suggest. Uh, there's financial people who talk about a 2-6 ratio. Um, there's other people who talk about like a 30-33 ratios. There's a qualified mortgage. Uh, walks you through all that. That's available on my website if uh, you would like to use that. Um, Sorry, my chair dropped. You're what? I said my chair, my chair's that when it goes up and down, it dropped. Oh, really? It looked like even shorter. Sebastian, I'm sorry? I love all the tools you have. I really do. Well, thanks. It's a real problem in my life where everything I'm like, oh, I can make a calculator. <laughs> um, here's what here's might want to think about and this this actually yes. shot me in the shorts when i started buying tried to buy my first house is they pulled my credit and they came back and said i had like two bills that i didn't pay and it was because i moved from west virginia to uh illinois and i didn't really even know i used my credit card to, i guess to get gas or whatever at that point uh so i would highly suggest you know pulling your credit somewhere you know a good place mm -hmm. to go is my fico it, it'll cost you a little bit of money, but that FICO, that credit score you're going to get is the exact credit score, very, very close to what lenders are going to pull. So if you you have any questions on your credit, I would pull your credit, at least get a glimpse of it. Don't don't just rely on like, um, you know, Credit Karma or Credit Sesame or your Discover card. You know, actually look at your credit. And that's another area we can help you because if you do get your own credit report, we'd love to just go through it with you and what to look at and how to look at the scores and how to look at your accounts and everything else. Yeah. Dan, let's play a game. Yep. Let's do, wait, how do I make, how do I change this? Let's play 30, 20 second 30, answer. 20 second. Okay. I think we're going to run into this. I know it's going to be tough because this is the problem. I think we run into where yep. there's all these questions and I love that everybody's asking questions and I want to get to them, but it's, uh, I know both of us, I think we kind of like go on a little bit longer than maybe we should. <laughs> Let's just play a game and see if we can catch up. Uh, and hopefully and we also, we'll, we'll try to answer it. If you want more detail on it, call us or email. Yes. Uh, also, Drew is in here and Drew roasted me about not replying to his email. Here's the lore. Is Drew, first of all, Drew, I love all your, your help in the chat. And now it's my turn to roast you back. My last email to Drew was, hey, I have COVID. And then I was out for a week and I didn't reply. And that was my bad. But then I haven't heard from Drew in a week. So the table's upturned. <laughs> um, I, I have a reminder, though. I'm going to follow up with Drew, I think, uh, in a couple of days. Uh, you, you forgot your timer. 
Oh, yes, I, I didn't start yet. But uh, okay. Let's let's ping pong too. I'll answer, then you answer the next one, then I'll answer. This is going to be, I'm, I'm already a little stressed. Okay. I'll take this. SV, my spouse has bad has a bad credit score, but I can't apply alone. Should we bite the bull and apply with a low score? We'd be a first-time homebuyer and rent is over $2,000. I'd rather pay a high mortgage than high rent. Great idea. I think it's at least worth taking a look and seeing if it's possible. Um, also, you might be able to qualify based on just your income. So I would go ahead, look at the approval. If the answer is no, you can always do what you were going to plan on doing beginning, which was renting. That's tough. 20 seconds. 30, is, 30 seconds. I think we're going to need to do 30. Oh my God, I'm going to do 30 or 20. Cause no, me. 20 was tough. Um, Drew, you're out of work. No, really? I he said, I don't use a computer these days. I can't tell if that's real or not. Oh my gosh. If you are, I'm so sorry. Um, all right, Donnie. If I buy a property today and the price falls during a quote unquote recession, what are the chances it'll gain value from a market market correction in the future? Very good. You know, this is mine, right? So if you look back, even in 2008, a lot of people were saying 2008, you know, the, the housing market's going to crash as much as it did then. Okay. So then 2008, that was the worst time ever in history. Then you go just forward fast at five, six, eight, ten 10 years. Where are we from there? We're way above those marks. So yeah, there's corrections just like there's corrections in the stock market, but everything will be fine. Look at that. Oh my gosh. Wow. Um, or something. I'm sorry. We should get like stickers or something. We, we each get a sticker if we do it in ooh, time. Ooh, ooh, buy the other one lunch. Oh my gosh. This could be a fun drinking game. Work on that. Although I think our answers might become a little bit scattered if, uh, I was going to start, we should make this a, ha if we're going to start doing this, you know, later in the evening, make it basically a happy hour. But I did that with, uh, I, oh, I don't have my diet cook me. I did that with Javier. We, uh, we took some tequila shots on stream, which I don't even yeah. know if that's like a YouTube terms and service. I think we like violated something, but, uh, after we were doing it, I was like, you know, I don't think we're going to be very helpful if, if we're doing tequila shots on the stream, uh, and then people yell at us because we're not super helpful. Um, we're, we'll figure out something. I will, we need to add some stakes to this. Okay. Um, um, Celine, I am having a first time homebuyer seminar this Saturday. Curious on what you're going to talk about today. Oh, okay. Well, it's not a question, so I'm not going to do a 30 second timer, but uh, ask your questions away. Can you buy a home with DACA? You absolutely can with all loans. That was easy. Carlos, what are my options if I want to do STR but are under a FHA 203K? Are you familiar with what STR? Mm -hmm. uh, Carlos, could you clarify what you mean by STR? Um, sometimes there are just so many abbreviations that I can't always, doesn't jog our memory. If you could just spell that out for me, we'll jump back to this. Um, This is you, Eternity Chris. Hello, guys. Thanks for doing this all the time. We put an offer and waiting around for the seller's answer. It's been two days, but when is the best time to pull our contract? I would, I would give it a little more time because what, what happens is most people put in contracts uh, usually over the weekends. And then you got to remember there is a holiday. It was a holiday week. So there's probably delays there. 
Uh, there might be something on the other person's side. They might have the flu. They might have a cold, something that's causing the delay. I would at least just reach out to your, um, reach out to your realtor and just ask them and say, you know, do, have you heard anything yet? Or can you at least give us an idea? Because otherwise we'll just move on. I think I can figure out a way where it, like, it goes like tick, 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 tick. And at the end, it's like, <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work, but I think I'm going to do it just for fun. Um, thank you for hosting a question session. You are welcome. Drew said, uh, I don't go to my computer much. Mm. Uh, interest rates laid me off. Oh, that's, that sucks. I'm imagining you kind of mean, I'm not sure if you actually mean an actual layoff or if you just mean it's like slow. Um, both, both suck though. Um, to kid princess charming, I would like to collectively thank Dan and Kyle both for offering their wealth of knowledge. Uh, thanks through the YouTube platform as they both played an essential role in my eyes in securing my home in 2021. Well, thank you so much. Awesome. Um, oh, Carlos said STR short-term rental. That makes oh. sense. Okay. Uh, ah, oh, Drew, man, that sucks. I said laid off on round five. I'm sorry about that, man. Um, hopefully things turn around here soon. Uh, what are my options if I want to do a short-term rental but are under an FHA 203k? Those options, short-term. You can't yeah, because FHA is only for primary residency. You can't do short-term rentals. So you can't do an investment property with an FHA loan. Bam. Sorry, we're, we're just trying to be short so we can look answer at, more. Look at us. Look at us. Um, oops, uh, Victor Q. I have about, I don't know why I do that on the answer. Why do I say people's names like that? I think it's cause I'm like waiting for that little animation to come in. I need to kick, I need to kick that habit. Uh, I have about $200,000 in student loan debt. And my DTI, my debt to income ratio is well over for a conventional loan. Are there any good strategies to lower my DTI? Holy yes. The stream we did last week, we had uh, Catalina on. She's the CEO of Loan Sense. And if you go to winthehouseyoulove.com slash student, I have a calculator in there. You can plug in your income, you can plug in your student loans, and they don't they, they do not do refinances. They just put you in government programs that help lower um, what you have to pay, you're obligated to pay on your student loans, which counts for your DTI, which can help you qualify for a bigger home. Please look at doing that. And one. You're good. I just, just a, just a piece off of that. We we're, we're working with a client right now that she, uh, she's has her doctorate. She's got 200, over $200,000 in student loan debt. So put yourself in her shoes. We were able to get her student loan payments down to under $190 using Catalina's plan. And it is legit. Um, and it's a loan based payment. So we're actually in the process of getting her closed up now. Yeah. And the whole goal is like, it's not to kick the can down the road. I think as some people think. Because you don't have to stay obligated to that payment. You can always change it back. You can always pay more. The whole goal is to just lower it when you're qualifying for a mortgage so that things fit in the bucket that you want. This happens for a lot of people who are lawyers or a doctors or they their income is going to increase dramatically in the future. Um, the amount of times I've seen you know uh, somebody in residency and they make $50,000, but they have $200,000 plus in student loans. And by using a program like that, they're able to qualify um, because they know that their income is going to be two hundred to five hundred thousand dollars in the next few years. Um, is a is a good strategy. 
Yeah, and Drew talked about like the income income based repayment. Um, that's what uh, Catalina's team helps uh, you strategize with is different different types of income driven repayment programs, um, because that's like the blanket term, and there's all these little programs underneath it. So slash student All right, this is you, my man. My lender and seller keep rushing us because our delivery house. What's that? Our delivery house they're came two months. Buying. They're building, came, I think. Came two months earlier. Can we do something to extend the closing date? I would look at your contract because you can. It, it depends on if you're building because in the builder's contract, most of the time, what it says is once it's done, you have to close. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, anything else. But if your contract doesn't say that and it specifies a closing date, which it probably does. You can actually abide by that date because you have it in contract form. You don't have to rush it and close early if you don't want to. I love it. Uh, <clears throat> and for all the people here, we have about 120-ish people here. Thank you for being here. Just a quick aside. Uh, this is Dan. Dan and I work on the same team. I'm actually part of the Dan Frio team. He's the he's the main guy. Dan has a YouTube channel. He has a video uh, every day. Just search Dan Frio. Um, we're both licensed loan officers in all 50 states. Uh, we have a team of loan officers who'd be happy to help. You just go to winthehouseyoulove.com. Send me an email, schedule a call, start an application, however you want to get started. And if you could, like the video, uh, subscribe if you want to see more info like this. And we're going to do these lives every week, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, whatever you know time this started for you, whatever time zone you're in. Um, so just a quick side there. That guy, Rye. Hey, guys, hope all is well. Good to see you again, that guy, Rye. You've been uh, pretty active in here. I really appreciate uh, your support. Truly, be truly blessed in 1978. When should you lock in your rate? Um, I think that if you like it, you should lock it. I don't think gambling on the future, what's going to happen on interest rates, is a good strategy. I think if you get a quote and you're under contract and you're like, that payment looks good, that interest rate looks fine, then go ahead and lock it. I am not really in the game of like, let's take a chance because as much as it could go up, it could also, or as much as it could go down, it could also go up. That's not a game that I like playing. But an aside to that, Dan does uh, do rate and economic update every day. Um, so he can give you a good idea of strategy. But would you also agree like when you're under contract, it's probably best to begin looking at yeah. marketing? Yeah. <clears throat> and a lot of times when you start moving lenders and changing and things, now if you have 60 days out, Get plenty of room. It usually takes us between three and four weeks to close. So just pivot around that. But a lot of a lot of the benefits people you have with us is we're actually uh, we, we're a bank, but we actually broker out all of our loans. So if we 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 go on the air of caution, like Kyle said. So we'll lock you in right now. But if rates drop, we either try to renegotiate with the lender to try to do a buy down, or we already have all your data anyways. We can take all your data and just move you to another lender. If the, the lender we're locked in at doesn't want to renegotiate on rates. So yeah, we can always yeah. move on to another lender. That's the benefit about you. It's basically like an unlimited float down of sorts where it's like, you don't have, it doesn't have to be, you know, floated down necessarily. You just switch to any lender. Uh, right. The 84 lenders that we work with, just switch it to a new one. If rates drop, lock it in with them uh, and yep. call it a day. Who answered the last question? You or me? You, I think you. Okay. So this is you then. Julio Martinez, first job out of college, decent credit and no debt other than student loans. Any suggestions on what to do if getting a home now is feasible? 
So first job out of college, decent credit. So the good news is coming out of college, you really don't have a, have to have a job history. We just need to show your transcripts and that you graduated. Uh, on the, you have good credit. That's fantastic. So you're, if your only debt is really student loan debt, um, we can use, again, what Kyle was just talking about. We have Catalina is kind of like one of our partners, referral partners. And she also, she's the CEO of LoanSense. So go to that system, please. And it's, Kyle has it up here. Just do a backslash student. And you're going to see what the program looks like. Put in your details and see what it tells you what you're going to have is your student loan payment. And then go to Kyle's uh, uh, calculator, mortgage calculators in affordability. Start plugging in the numbers there just to see what you would qualify for. But then again, reach out to us because you this, you guys are in the age group. Why I wanted to really bring Kyle on our team is you got, you're all in the age group that we really strive to help because it is completely confusing on how to buy your first house. We get it. So we're going to do these events every week. So you guys can answer questions like that. So now you have an idea what to do going forward. But thanks yes. for the question. Uh, my brother just gave me a super chat. Thanks, man. You'd also don't have to give me super chats. <laughs> um, sweet. Let me find another question here. How is it little? Is it sorry? Big Kyle, little Kyle. Is your big brother or little brother? My my big brother. brother. He's. How old am I? I'm 26, so he is 29. Dang, Grandpa. <laughs> I know, I already hit my quarter-life crisis. It was great. Uh, Travis, how how quick is the market to react to the Fed's adjusting the Fed rate? Um, interestingly enough, the market usually prices in the anticipation of what the Fed is going to do. So as long as the Fed stays in line with what was expected, Normally, people will forecast, oh, we think the Fed's going to change interest rates by X, and then Fed does that. Then rates pretty much stay the same. If they do something completely off base, that's when rates adjust drastically. But since mortgages are done, their bonds over a long period of time are running out of time, uh, what ends up happening is all of these anticipated market changes are already what are people call baked in. Um, it's not like new news happens, or it's not like news happens. And then the market reacts super crazily. It's only when things changed based on what's anticipated uh, that things actually change. See, I know I know some economic stuff every once you, in a while. It just, you're, you're a negative one right now, though, because you went over. I know. I know. I'd see, in that instance, is where it's like we need to figure out like a penalty system. I don't know what's, what's going to happen here. Some more negative reinforcement. Um, Ohioan, what does going higher than 20% down do to rates? Say 30% down. Not much. It really doesn't. It, it, a lot of it depends on your credit scores, the kind of property you have. It does have loan to the loan to value, so the amount of money you put down. But it's amazing how much it doesn't affect really your payments. I won't get you that much of a better rate. And it really, by putting it to 10% down, it might save you a hundred bucks a month. Not that a hundred bucks is something to sneeze at, but when 10% down, an extra 10% down could be another 20, 30, $40,000. It's a lot of money. Steven said I lost a sticker. Yeah. Should we like start with it? Like we need to. And then someone, put it next. As we go. Give like a fun, give us some, give me some real life consequences in here. I want to make it real risky. Um, Linnell. 
Travis Lex, Roxy, John, Landon, Farino, Cassie Loves Money, Carlos. I um, just want to say thanks for being here. We're going to answer your questions as soon as we can. Ali 2.0, my credit score is 750, but my credit age is only one year. Does the length of credit age matter when applying for a mortgage? This is me, right? Is this my question? Are you frozen? No. What happened? Okay, well, Dan froze, so we're going to wait for Dan to come back. Uh, at first, I thought he was just taking a really long time to think about my question. Um, okay, let me shoot Dan a text. Uh, I think you froze. I'm going to answer these questions, and we're going to hope for the best. <laughs> Should I get him off the screen until until we get this worked out? Uh, Dan, I'm going to kick you if you can hear me and then log back in. The joy of doing live stream stuff. Um, okay. Uh, probably need to move that out of my face. Does the length of credit age matter? Um, yes. Two years is the most ideal, um, with a high credit score, it's possible that you could get away with doing just one year of credit history. Um, you may need to go with an FHA loan if you can't get approved for a conventional um, or add rental history to help push your conventional approval in the right direction. He's back. It was there just, we go. I don't know what all of a sudden start pinging and everything and everything just like shut down. My bad. That's fun. Oh, no worries. Um, okay. Sorry about that. Travis said, yeah. Travis said, um, if you go over 30 seconds, $0 origination fee on the next loan you issue. So here's a fun fact. Pretty much every loan we do, uh, doesn't have an origination fee. Bam. So give us more stakes, Travis. Um, all right, this is you. How yep. accurate is your credit score on Capital One? Uh, not at all. Well, okay, so let's go through this real quick. You probably have about 50 credit scores. You probably didn't know that. So the TransUnion has you know, 10 or 15 or 12 or whatever. There's mortgage scores and everything else. So for you guys getting the same credit score as we would, uh, when you're looking for a mortgage, that's why I said earlier, if you were on the, on the, uh, video live with us, go to myfico.com, order your real FICO credit score. That's going to be the credit score to use. You, if you, I actually created a, a website, it's called credit scores, plural, credit scores and more.com. Check it out. Cause there's a bunch of things in there regarding credit as well. And also there's a link to my FICO in there. Will my internet work? There it is. Are you having um, any issue? Well, I, for some reason, my even at even at the office today, it was terrible. My internet is a bit. Um, I got three bars instead of. I'm sorry, two bars instead of three. So yeah. I don't know what that means, but it's got to be something. Um, if you sc you scroll up, the, the there's a free scoring system there. Use it. It's, it goes to Credit Sesame or Credit Karma. One of those. If, if you're not using one of those, use it. Sign up for it. that one right there. If you use that link, it's an affiliate link. I make a couple bucks, but it will save you twenty percent. I think. 
That's what you need to get. That is your real credit score that all lenders are going to use. I'm talking car loans, personal loans, mortgages, everything that you can think of when it comes to credit. They use your FICO score. That's an, yeah. that's the place to go to get your credit scores. And to be fair too, like you don't have to, I think sometimes people like obsess over needing to know their exact score before they talk to a lender. You don't need to know your exact score. Ex- exact score. Um, like your lender is going to work with you or your loan officer is going to work, work with you. If like, if it's not where it needs to be, it's not going to be like, okay, good luck. You're on your own. Um, you don't need to know it like down to the exact number, what it is. If the soft pull sites, like, uh, what did they say? Credit, credit cart. Was it credit? Um, oh, capital one. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, let's say it's in the high 600 range. Great. You're probably in the high 600 range. Um, I don't think you have to have that exact number before you actually talk with a, a loan officer. Um, you know, it's weird. There it is. Okay. Uh, mortgage broker versus mortgage lender. What are your thoughts? Really? I think you should shop with both. Take a look and see how they work. There's not going to be one that's better than the other necessarily. The way that we function is kind of interesting. We're a, we work as a federally, na- federally licensed bank, so we can work in... Uh, all 50 U.S. states, but we broker most of our loans. So we work with 80 different lenders. A mortgage lender has kind of one pool of money. Mortgage broker usually works with several different pools of money and can have often more options than a mortgage lender, but it's not a universal case. Um, Man, I lost a sticker. (laughs) So explore both. Um, And, you know, Drew said broker is better than lender. Um, I've been... I try to be cautious on like, obviously like we're both, we both are work in, you know, we're both loan officers. Like it's very clear the bias that we have. And so I try to acknowledge the bias. Obviously we, we function as a broker. So we prefer that method and we think it's the best for our clients. Um, now if we were like mortgage lenders, would we say the opposite is true? It's possible. Like it's impossible for, for anybody to have zero bias whatsoever. Um, so I do try to be careful and like not just spitting bias <laughs> and being mindful of that. I think that's the most respectful, uh, you know, for people who are, are actually trying to explore this process. Um, so there's pros and cons to both. Ultimately, um, there's something I was going to, I can't remember what it was. Um, I'm on cough drop five now. Is there a limit that you can have? You start getting a little woozy and fall off your chair. I'll take it from there. <laughs> is there like a yeah i mean can i not have is there like a limit two every two hours all right well we exceeded that um it's probably gonna be fine um sweet all right let's go into another question this is for you mr oxford i would like to buy a farm for my first home is there a certain a certain different place i have to use to get a loan or any loan officer okay to go to it, a farm might, if it's a working farm, it's going to be agriculture and you're going to need a, most likely a farm loan. And actually I have an outlet for you with that. Uh, actually I know a, a, a broker, he can do, uh, it's called, do you know, it's, I think it's fam Mac or something like that, farm Mac or something like that, that heads all that. But yeah, we, you, you need a, an agricultural loan. You can't get a conventional loan or any other loans because they're going to deem that property as a farm, a working farm. Now, if it's not a working farm, you might be able to get a USDA loan or some kind of other loan. Mm-hmm. But if it's a farm working farm with income, you're going to need an agricultural or a farm loan. 
Here's the stupidest thing. One of the stupidest things we ever had to do for a loan. This was like, uh, this might've been like the fifth loan I ever did a couple of years ago. And, you know, of course, like the beginning loans that you always do are, are always a nightmare because oh, no one yeah. ever, no one wants to work with you, understandably. And so yeah. you get the most complex things and you're trying to like see how to make it work. So this guy bought a house and, you know, the realtor also is, had been a realtor for 20 plus years, like as long as I had been alive at the time. And he didn't know this either. So buys a home that has a working farm on it. The guy doesn't want a working farm, but it has the land. He just wants the land. Okay, great. So we're thinking nothing of it. And then, you know, appraisal comes back and the lender, of course, is like, hey, there's a working farm on here. This is not allowed. Um, so basically all non-commercial loans, so like a residential loan, conventional, FHA, VA, USDA, don't allow a working farm. Uh, you can't have a, because it's a business, like a farm is a business. You need a commercial loan for that. Um, so the solution then was if we plow and destroy all of the crops, which it wasn't that big anyway, it was a very small, but the, the buyer was basically, can I just destroy everything and then show that to the underwriter and they'll allow us to move forward with it. And I was like, that's a very interesting concept that I certainly wouldn't have suggested, but it, uh, talk, it worked. <laughs> no. They plowed up. So you, you got whatever. For the next question, they sent a sense. they sent a picture uh, into well, I guess the, the appraiser actually came out, uh, took a picture proving that the field was destroyed. Uh, what do you how, that? What you does that even mean? Right, just replay it. You got to replay it for you, And then you know the buyer obviously had to sign like a document saying I'm not going to use this as farmland. You know the whole thing, and the underwriter was like, "Sweet, oh my, um, so that would never go today." Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that's a solution. That's a, that's a problem you don't even want to be, get into in the first place, but it was very interesting as one of those like, huh, all right. Um, Tyrian, Tyriana Wolf, uh, is the down payment assistance with the bank better than getting a conventional loan without down payment assistance? Take this, my guy. Oh, sure. Do you mean to reread that for you? Please. Okay. Is the down payment assistance with the bank better than getting a conventional loan without down payment assistance? No, it's always better to get something without the down payment assistance. The out, down, uh, down payment assistance programs, there's a slew of them out there, um, but most of them come with either high rates, a ton of fees, or all of the above. We do have one program. This is one area we, you and I got to talk about and do a video on. The down payment assistance programs, I think there's like two that we have that are fantastic, but it's always better just to use something normally than not a down payment assistance program. So we always try to find you the alternative and then we fall back on the down payment assistance programs if we need them. Yep. Um, also, I'm sorry. Can you guys like hear the, the cough drop in my mouth? I'm really sorry if that's a thing, if it's like really, you know, when you hear people chew and it's just like, oh my gosh, uh I feel like I... I'm going to like kill you if I hear you again. So really sorry if that's happening. Travis, is there a resource for finding the property tax rate or the average cost of homeowners insurance in your area? Um, you can look up averages. It's not going to be the most helpful thing in the world. I really think one of the best options for property taxes is look in the neighborhood of where you want to buy 
even on Zillow, for instance, you can start looking at what are the average property tax rates based on the purchase price you're looking at. That's going to be really helpful for you. As far as homeowner's insurance, just talk to an insurance agent. There's like no, no commitment in talking with somebody. Just, hey, I'm looking at a $300,000 house. Can you help me understand what ballpark I'm in? Um, I think that's sometimes the problem, not the problem, but like the hard part about real estate is it's so hyper specific on not just the city that you're in, but the neighborhood that you're looking in along with like your unique situation. And as much as like, like you, you can give averages and percentages all day, but sometimes I'm afraid of like, those can be mis a little bit misleading um, and not give a complete picture. Whereas like maybe spending an hour worth of work talking with a couple people can give you information that's so much more, so much easier to like take action on versus just some averages that you may not have as much confidence in. Um, or at least Great. that's kind of where, is this Great. you? Is this, did you yeah. comment? Hey buddy. Oh, that's <laughs> when I think, no, I, I started texting or putting some comments in there when my, my phone went down and I'm on my phone right now. Mm. I'm like, was my computer was okay. And your, your feed was still going. All of a sudden my phone just went haywire. Interesting. Um, Cal and I see your email in here and then Stavira, I see your email as well. I'm going to get to these after we're on this stream. Um, all right. This is for you, Charlie C. What are your thoughts on buying now and being able to refinance pros and cons? I'm still a proponent. If like we always talk on the channel, our, our goal here isn't to tell you when's a good time to buy because everybody's unique situation. What we what I want to explain to you is once you buy, you're locked in at that house, the price, the payment. If you we only want you to buy if you can afford it. Okay. You can afford mm. the pay, down payment and everything else. So let's say today you can afford it. And a year from now, rates go down. Well, refinance and your payment's going to go down. Okay. So that's what I would suggest. I'm still not predicting a crash. I start I stopped talking about home values and all that other stuff because everybody on YouTube was kind of blackballing me because I wasn't going with the agenda. But I'm just here to provide you the facts. And so I decided not to talk about house where house prices are going. I'll give you some, you know, basics on it. But if you're comfortable with you, have like, I don't know if you joined us last week, but Kyle gave you the four elements that he used and he always uses to, you know, be three elements before he bought a house. So if you have the money and you're comfortable with the payments and you have some money set aside and you're going to be there for at least three to five years, if you're not going to be in a house for at least three years, up to five years, I would highly suggest you rent because if you're not going to maintain that house, you're going to, you're going to lose money. Yes. Um, Travis, what is the validity period of a credit pool? I've heard 120 and I've heard 90 days, both from brokers. Great question. So the credit report lasts 120 days. The problem is somewhere in that 120 days, you have to close on your home. So that's the last till the end of closing. So let's say that. Uh, it takes you 90 days to search for a home. Then you have 30 days uh, to be able to close from going under contract to closing for that credit report to still be active. So you can always have a new credit report pulled. It's not the end of the world. Likely your credit score is not going to change. But that's probably the discrepancy in there. Uh, think of it more like 90 days to shop for a home before you really run into that like 30 day period where it's like, okay, we're about to run our credit reports about to expire. Um, LA runner, can you qualify to buy if you're working as a contractor or you have to be a permanent employee? 
you, I, they might've just responded on something else. I was just looking at you do, you don't, as long as you're, I don't know if this is the same person that said they've been doing it for a year, but my comment was somebody was texting me is you can do it as a contractor. As long as you're showing the income on your tax returns and you've been doing it for two years and you show it again on your tax returns, it's going to come up as a schedule C, um, you know, that that's what we're going to use. So yes, you, you can qualify as a contractor. Alley 2.0, I'm a college student. I have zero debt, zero expenses. I live with my parents. My monthly income is $1,000. What would my debt to income ratio be? Um, so the debt to income ratio is going to be all of your monthly minimum debt payments plus your future mortgage payment divided by your gross monthly income. $1,000. Uh, let's say we're going to use an average of 45% debt to income ratio. That's only going to allow you to qualify for a $450 per month mortgage payment with $1,000 a month. You likely are not going to be able to buy a home if you only have $1,000 per month gross income. Um, first, I would I don't know if that's the financial position to buy a house. Uh, you likely are going to need some more income. Um, unless you have income from other sources or somebody's helping you out, then you might be able to add a co-borrower. Although there are a couple houses around Ohio that you could probably get away with $450 a month. <laughs> I'm not saying they're going to be great. I wonder if their monthly income, I mean, as a college, I'm a college student. Okay, I get it. It's a college student. Okay, I thought it was said a college graduate. I was going to say $1,000 a month. That's, that's tough. Yeah. Um, Michael De La Torre. I'm looking into buying a property with my brother. I managed to get him a job where I work. Um, that is a new sector for him. How many months or years of income does he need to show before it can qualify? Two years. I will Sorry say, unless there's a cert, he has a certification. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's a full slew of you elaborate on that. Go ahead. Yeah, fifteen seconds. Gosh. Okay. Well, now I got to elaborate. <laughs> It, it's one of those things that is circumstantial too. The tough thing with a lot of these, it could be, it's, 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 it's a specific question, but there's the, we need the ground, you know, where was he before? Um, does he have any job gaps? You know, what, what's the job and, and so forth. So that, that answer could have 10,000 different answers to it. Or that question can have a bunch of different answers to it. So that's a lot of times I always propose people, when you come to our website, please don't apply. I mean, you can apply, but we want to know your story. We want, we're here to help. So we don't want to just, you know, you guys, we're not the place that you, you just go through and you click, 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 and you're done. We really want to be your mortgage advisor. So in help, guide. I'm all, I'm laughing at real estate in NorCal said, do you guys go to the same dim lighting store for that Auburn cloak? I'm, I'm only about what, 500 uh, miles away. <laughs> my boy, well, I think about it's supposed to be blue not yet happened. drew said we're like underwriters from hell Nuh-uh. we just don't want to give bad info on a live stream where we know like yeah. one inch of the uh i think i think the problem too is like i like underwriters get to be able to talk with loan officers and like explain the guidelines when you talk with uh, like a client, you know, as a loan officer, if you give like, if, even if you say the correct thing, but somebody misinterprets it wrong, they blame you for it. Oh, yeah. And then 
we get a lot of aggression and uh, which is hard because then you're like, you're like sometimes like stepping on eggshells. Like I, how do I communicate this correctly and set expectations correctly so that it's understood well? Um, and unfortunately it's when you only have like this much information and then the explanation needs like this, uh, it feels wrong to like explain just based off of what I assume uh, about things. True. OMG. My original question got butchered. <laughs> um, I, I saw you on Javier Vidania's live stream this past weekend. What other YouTube channels? Was I on his channel this past weekend? I think I might have been in the chat. What other YouTube channels do you recommend following? Um, Drew said I've been blamed a lot when I was an LO. I would say, I, I, Drew, yeah, you should know this, that uh, <laughs> you can't uh, you can't just go around giving out random answers. Um, what other channels do you recommend following? Uh, Dan, Dan has a YouTube channel. Search Dan Frio. Uh, he does a, a video almost every day. Um, other YouTube channels? Uh, Jeb Smith has a really good YouTube channel. Uh, Shahida Hill has a good one. Um, they're both real estate agents. Um, Matt, the mortgage guy is a loan officer. He has a good channel as well. Um, Gordon. I haven't seen him posting a lot of videos lately. Matt? Yeah. Uh, I think he's been posting pretty consistently. No. For some reason I haven't seen because him and I, his videos usually pop up because I watch his videos as well. And, uh, I just didn't, haven't seen a lot of them pop up lately. I didn't know. He's here. He said, oh, thanks, he is here? He is there? Uh, you know who is also good is MG, the mortgage guy. And, but I haven't seen him post a while. Um, I feel like I'm missing somebody. The big. They're also so many of them just have the world is ending. And that's why it's like, I think we talked about this one other time and they're mostly realtors. So it's like, you know, here, here's my philosophy on that. If, if I'm, if I'm going to buy a house, that's my priorities. I, I want to use you to help me find a house. I don't want to, you, you know, if, if you're every day, you're, you're, you're out there saying the, the market's going to drop 50% or whatever else. I wouldn't have a really confidence in using you for my realtor because, you know, you're, I think the, the most interesting thing and Javier Vidania, who has a YouTube channel. Oh my gosh, I missed Javier. Uh, yeah, well, because since we already mentioned him, I was he, uh, in my mind, I, we already said uh, Javier also has a fantastic YouTube channel. What's been, in, in, well, what's been interesting, and Javier pointed this out, is like one of the really big channels that was kind of about like, you know, housing market crash kind of thing. Um, They were selling services to investors. So, not to go like super dark conspiracy theory on this, because I don't think it's that serious. But basically what's happening is you have somebody on YouTube saying, hey, first time homebuyer, don't buy right now. This is not a good time for you to buy. While telling investors, here's all the markets you should be buying in. So if you go into that big, you know, there are a lot of people who are feeling that frustration of corporations purchasing single family residences and then renting them back for a multiple of the cost, which is a very real problem. Um, that I think we're going to continue seeing through the next 10 to 20 years is the housing market being suffocated by corporations coming in, purchasing homes, and then either selling them for a profit or renting them to people. Um, and it's like, how are, how are, how's, how are first time homebuyers being like, yeah, this, like I shouldn't be buying a house right now, 
while investors are getting information on all the markets they should be scooping up. And from my perspective, if investors are in the market, then that's a good market to be in because investors only care about turning a profit. I care about having a house that I really enjoy. And if it happens to make me money, that's bonus. That's a cherry on top. So if investors are in the market and I barely need, you know, I'm not depending on my primary residence to generate money for me, then to me, that feels like a very good time. Well, here, Um, look at at this approach too. Let's say you, you, you're going to have a housing payment no matter what. So let's say it's 15, 16, 1800 bucks. You buy a house. Okay. Let's say it doesn't appreciate in value a penny in 10, 15 years. You still, you're making a housing payment. So instead of paying your landlord's rent, you pay your mortgage. So you're driving down your mortgage balance. Even if your house value doesn't increase at all, you're building wealth there. So that's just another way. Also, you know what I lost a ton of money on was the place that I used to rent for two years that I really enjoyed. (laughs) But I'm not sitting here being like, that was the worst investing decision of my life. No. I moved to a new city. I rented. I enjoyed where I was renting. I found the neighborhood I wanted to buy in. I waited for the right opportunity. I waited till I could afford it very comfortably. And then I bought the house. But I I am never once had the thought, I can't believe I made such a terrible investing choice by deciding to rent somewhere. It's just, I feel like that this marketing spin on things has been very interesting. Um, and I feel like it's done a pretty big disservice to people who are looking to buy a house. So one day we need to educate a lot of your viewers of the difference between 2008 and what a lot of people are are talking about as being, you know, a a housing bubble today. There's huge difference. Yes. Um, uh, Drew had a comment that was just looking up really quickly. Yeah, Drew, I think you're right. Freddie Mac doesn't allow DACA, DACA, but uh, Fannie does. Fannie Mae. Um, oh my gosh, did I miss this? I'm so sorry. That Rai, that Rai guy, Rai. <laughs> I always want to say that Rai guy. Uh, that guy, Rai. Uh, I'm trying to buy a single family with FHA. Um, live in it for one year, then rent it out for one to two years, then sell the house for profit. Good plan. Uh, is it like a long flip? Yes, this is very common. Uh, a lot of people, this is like in the subcategory of house hacking, which is Yep, you can absolutely buy a house with FHA, 3.5% down, um, live in it for a year, then you can rent it out without having to refinance. Uh, it's going to be easier to then go buy your next primary residence with a conventional loan. If you try to buy with an FHA loan, it can be a little tricky to get both of those at the same time. There are some stipulations, but uh, great strategy. A lot of people use it. Thanks, guy. He, he put in a super chat on my channel. So if you guys are watching on my channel, is that um, why I missed? That's why I missed it. They don't they don't like pop up on here. And so I apologize. So my channel, we're simulcasting this on our channels, and I'm, I'm unfortunately I have I have a bad internet for some reason today, so I'm doing this on my phone, so I'm not able to, to be on my computer to answer these qu- the questions and your chats. So I apologize. Um. Okay, I did answer this question earlier. Please elaborate on the first time homebuyer conventional loan you were talking about. Um, that does the, uh, the rate discount. I have a video on that. If you look at like, it's the second to last video I just posted. Um, we'll help you through that. Um, Travis, what's the average seller concession? You want to take that right now? Zero. 
where it's going to be, we're expecting it to be kind of get getting back to normal. Normally, they, you know, sellers will give you a concession of you know three, five, six, seven thousand dollars depending on the price of the home, but it can be substantial, um, and it can really drive down the amount of money you're going to need at closing. But one area right now you might want to look at using that money toward is doing a buy down. Mm. Uh, Cassie loves money. Massachusetts is so expensive right now. I'll be saving up or renting forever. Yeah, it's, it is hard. And you know, something that may be interesting to look into as well, Cassie is, um, you know, I, I, the, the comparison is very hard to do. And I've always, obviously making a lot of assumptions, but I'm referencing kind of my experience buying a house in the past few months is it's really easy to want to look at buying a house and then be like, I really, you know, everything starts to add up. Like you need the right kitchen. You need the, all the extra space. You need the certain kind of yard. Like there's all this, like these things that you want and it's okay, especially with your first home to compromise on a lot of things um, because you're really just kind of getting into the home ownership world. It doesn't have to be, you get the, you know, quote unquote dream home forever. Um, that's why like, I never talk about a dream home. Nowhere on my website does it say dream home. At least I don't think it does. Uh, like my goal is to stay away from the dream home thing because I don't think it's, I don't, I think it sets people up for emotional failure to talk about like a dream home. I just don't think that exists. Like if I think about myself two years ago, I am, have completely different preferences than what I do now. Like I painted this blue or whatever. I've been trying to get rid of this color for who knows how long. Like things always change. It's the same thing with a house. Like you're going to get into it when it's something different. So what's very common in the real estate world is like buy your you know starter home. It's okay if it doesn't have all the things that you want. If your main goal is to stop, you know, what you mentioned, renting forever, get into a home so that you can start building up some equity. You can take advantage of some appreciation. You can have more control and ownership of where you live. As long as it's making an incremental quality of life adjustment, that's okay. It doesn't have to be everything that you want. Because what happened for a lot of people, especially in the past five to 10 years as homes have been appreciating pretty rapidly is they got into that, that, you know, starter home. Uh, they made money when they sold and they were able to take that equity onto a home that was even bigger without it being a substantial increase in their monthly cost or their income increased or whatever happened. And so you get kind of a stepping stone approach to, uh, your goal of where you want to go. Um, I think I need to go to, I need to do cough drop six, really starting to feel, if I can feel the back of my throat, that's a problem. You know, everybody, I was supposed to do a video session today, uh, in a studio and the guy called me this morning with, he's got the flu. Everyone's sick. I don't know what's happening. We were going to talk, talk fix and flip. So probably I, I got, I got a video coming out. We're doing it on the eighth. So it'll come out the week after it's going to be a fix and flip uh, video. I like it. Um, quick aside for all of these, for all of those, all of you who are new, for all of those who are new here, I don't know. You get what I'm trying to say. New people. Subscribe to Dan's channel. (laughs) What's going on? I don't think so. I don't know. For all the new viewers. You know, it's also a contributor to this is I... I was on like, uh, an antidepressant for like anxiety for like a year and I like just quit it 
kind of cold turkey, which was against my doctor's recommendation, but I did it anyway. Um, so that's been interesting as well. So uh, what I was going to say, Dan here, Dan and I work on the same team. Sometimes I think I forget that we should probably introduce ourselves. We're both loan officers, licensed in all 50 states. I'm on Dan's team. Um, we have a handful of loan officers who would love to help you out. You can go to winthehouseyoulove.com. If you have questions, if you want to get pre-approved, you can also email me. Um, Nightbot keeps sending links in here and you can follow those uh, to check those out. Um, I think that's about all I got. Well, you have a whole team. A lot of times you might not deal with Kyle. So if Kyle doesn't respond back to you or whatever, Kyle has a I team. I will of, respond to your email. Look, Kyle does have a loan, uh, set of loan officers in the in the background supporting all his, all his uh, buyers. So we just added two more this week to help pick up the volume because the the volume that he's pulling in from his channel is fantastic. Yeah, I know as much as great as I am to talk to personally, as much as you want to hear my, you know, cough drop drunk ramblings, you probably should work with somebody. (laughs) You you educate. And so that's why I always say to to everybody else on the team, it's like we educate the the clients and then once they're educated enough and make that decision that they want to, you know, go through with this, you're going to deal with a mortgage, uh, a mortgage advisor directly, and that's all they're going to do for. You. They're going to be yeah. your beck and call to help you through this whole process. You know what I was going to say earlier that I missed? I, I either I'm getting sick, or it's the cough drops, or it's a whole mix of whatever is going on in my body. Um, we can, if you have a loan estimate already, if you're approved with another lender, we would love to take a look. You can go to my website, winthehouseyoulove.com. Uh, two ways. You can go to winthehouseyoulove.com slash compare and upload your loan estimate there. Or might as well just, might as well just show you. Um, you can go to winthehouseyoulove.com. You can click here and then tools and then compare your quote. And uh, what you can do is answer a couple of quick questions, upload your loan estimate, um, and then what we're going to do is search around 84 different lenders to see if we can beat that. If you got a better quote somewhere else, we will tell you. We've done that with several clients uh, over the past couple of weeks where they got a better quote somewhere else. Usually it's because they're working with the builder's lender um, and they get like price incentives because they work together. Uh, in those instances, we've said, hey, you got a better deal somewhere else. Go with them. But we'd love to take a look. Uh, we try to make it as little hassle as possible. You don't have to fill out a long application. We're not going to chase you down and harass you. Um, feel free to just upload it. We'll search. We'll tell you if we can beat it or not. If we can give you a better rate, we'd love to offer that to you. If we can't, um, then we're going to tell you. So that was what I was going to say earlier, but, uh, who knows what's going on inside my head. Um, Lex, uh, Danny, want to answer this $27,000 in student debt. I've been approved, uh, for the $20,000 forgiveness but it's still held up in court. Should I wait to see the outcome before buying a home? I mean, unless it's really affecting your financials, but $20,000 isn't that much. And you know, probably most likely it's going to be, you know, resolved here soon, but it's probably not enough. Kyle, what do you think with the Catalina system? 20,000, it depends on what you make because I actually threw my daughter's uh, numbers in there today and it dramatically reduced her payments. So there is a system that Kyle has, and we, we all have it. It's uh, win the house you love backslash dot com backslash. Um, what do you have it on? Loan sense student. student student. Go there and put in your information and see how much that would drive down your student loan payments. 
but I'm not, I wouldn't assume that your student loan payment uh, alone is really going to affect you that much. And I, I know it's an extra payment, but uh, if you're comfortable with that payment, still the payment you have with the getting it forgiven is only going to help. But I mean, it, it all depends. Yeah. You're so student, like I would see if you can get approved because $20,000 in student loans. I know it's, a, it is a lot of money. Like, don't get me wrong. It's a lot of money, but it, relatively yeah. it's not that much money in a qualifying for a mortgage sense, um, that I wouldn't be too, I, I wouldn't delay purchasing a home, like finding a home that I really love and then waiting on whatever is going on in court to settle this. This is probably going to be a, a court battle that goes on for a while. I don't think that this is going to be resolved quickly. Um, I personally wouldn't count on it. And again, like, don't get me wrong. $27,000 is a lot of money. But in the grand scheme of qualifying for a mortgage, $27,000 is low. And I don't anticipate it's going to have that much effect on you getting approved for a loan. Travis, man, Travis, you are like top commenter today. Uh, see, when you, I need like, I want awards back. We need like a awards, I don't know, award system here. Okay. Uh, if you don't rate lock, how do you know what the rate will be at closing? Um, so you do have to, the rate does have to be locked before closing. Usually just depending on like the, the law and disclosures that you have to get, you're going to need to have that locked probably, I mean, about a week before your closing date. Um, the, when you, when your rate is not locked, it can change with the market. So that's why if you're comfortable with the payment now, I would lock it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to gamble on what the market's going to do in the future. And if it goes down, then just see if you can do a float down or maybe change lenders to get a lower rate or whatever. I have another story from when I was first started uh, originating loans. And I um, I did this dumb thing where I thought it would be really cool to follow the market and, you know, try to see, you know, with, with like a good degree of research on like what would happen in the market. And I was working with this client and I had their, their uh, interest rate floating. And this was like uh, three-ish years ago, had their interest rate floating and quoted that to them. And I was like, hey, I'm, I'm like pretty confident that interest rates are going to drop a little bit. I think it will save you some money. Let's keep this floating um, until that happens. Well, it went the opposite direction and their loan cost uh, a few thousand dollars more in upfront costs. And so that was my fault. So I paid that cost for them, which was not fun. Um, but I also feel like it was fair because I gave them bad advice. So since then I've learned it's not fair to gamble with other people's money. Um, and when I make the mistake, I'm going to eat the cost. But, uh, ever since then I was like, this isn't, that's not fair to do to anybody. So I agree. Um, and in that same position, no matter what loan officer you're working with, I think if you see a quote, you see the payment and you're like, this looks good. Just have that locked. There's no need to have that float because as much as we want to think it will go down, it also can go up. Um, yeah. So that's lessons from dumb things I've done in the past. Maybe these cough drops just like draw out, um, all my, my, uh, learning experience stories. Uh, Joey said, <laughs> the nostalgia of mistakes I've done in the past. Um, hey, gents, if, <laughs> and corrected. 
Um, hey, gents, if an investor was looking to buy a small group of properties from someone else, like two to three properties, what mortgage products would you suggest? Could closing costs be saved by doing the loans with the same lender? Would you like to take that? Sure. It might probably won't. The one thing I would suggest you not do is this. Some companies will, it's not prominent anymore, but some companies will allow you to blanket it, meaning one lien on all three or four of the properties that you buy. Please don't do that because it's a nightmare when you want to eventually sell one of them because you have to pull that out and allocate what monies go here and all that other stuff. But you get a conventional loan. Yes, use the same lender. Just make it that much simpler. You only have one person to deal with, and we'd love to be that person for you. Art C. Shan, everyone should be available to own a living paycheck to paycheck for business from saving the 10% down payment. Um, 10% is not what is required on a loan. Uh, if you're a first time homebuyer, 3% is the minimum for a conventional loan. If you're looking at a USDA loan, which is available in a lot of areas, uh, you can get 0% down. Um, and yeah, 10% is not required. Uh, if, if, if you're a vet. If you're a veteran, God bless you, and use your VA benefits. Zero money down. Yeah. Um, and that really is the thing. I know, like, again, obviously when we're talking about bias, like, we both are loan officers. It's very clear, the bias of people who work in real estate. Um, but when I hear people talk about this, like, okay, yes, living paycheck to paycheck forbids me from saving 10% down. A lot of people are in the situation where... They see the cost of that, you know, to buy a home um, or, you know, maybe they think it's like 10% as the minimum down payment. And it's like, how in the world am I ever going to be able to buy? Um, and that's why, you know, we, we want you to buy obviously at the right time and when you can afford it. But that's why I think getting into real estate earlier is better than waiting in the future because real estate is not going to wait around for you. You know, for instance, like appreciation last year was 12%. That means... If you bought, if you waited to buy for just one year, you have to save 12% more in your down payment. The home costs 12% more. The monthly payment is 12% more, like just by waiting one year. So if you take that back for the past two years where we've seen a, close to about 20% appreciation nationally, it's like you, most people can't beat uh, or can't save faster than the appreciation rate. Um, and that's why I think it's smart to get into real estate earlier, use it to your advantage, have the ownership of the appreciation, pay down the equity that you're not able to when you're renting so that then when you find a home that you're like, I really want to move into, I have a, a goal to have a, a bigger home or a nicer home or whatever quality home you want. It's easier to do that when you already own a home. And that's why you know, I, I only say this because like, I think sometimes people hear us talk about, you know, you can do 3% down, you can do 0% down. And they think we're like trying to sh like pass off this really bad strategy to you of like, oh, it's it's bad to buy a home with 0% down or something. It just statistically isn't true. Um, it was only true when there was like really bad loans being given out in, you know, 2006 to 2008. Um, and those don't exist anymore. <clears throat> and now my voice is going out. Uh, anything to add to that? Or is that no, you were, you were dead on. You were dead on. Um, Emmanuel, question, suggestions on how to protect yourself against the builder's real estate purchase contract that is always tilted to their favor. Get an attorney. 
always get an attorney. Even if you're buying a house from a relative or somebody like that, a friend, family, neighbor, whatever, get an attorney. Because I, I've looked at hundreds and hundreds of uh, builder contracts. They're all skewed uh, to the builder in huge ways. So please get an attorney, have them write through it. Don't fall in love with that house because if you can't figure out that contract, please walk if you have to. Win the house you like if, until you close. You know what? If you've seen <laughs> so many houses this year that that have been a complete nightmare with the building side, it's it's nuts. And they, they take three, four, six months too long. Or people are blowing locks. I mean, it's it's a mess. And then yeah. once the house is done, the builder, you know, just they they demand it to be done, and they can also mess with your uh, the prices of things as well. I'd like to add to that too. The uh, oh, Drew, thanks for emailing me back. I think what we're gonna have to do is just mutually roast each other live on <laughs> our response schedules. Um, I would like to add to that too. Like when you are getting an attorney. Think of it less as like, oh, my attorney's going to come in and change the contract. That's not super likely. What's really you're get, getting the benefit of is and talking with an attorney is exploring your legal outs in that contract. And that's one of the main reasons, like the main benefit to working with a realtor, um, I don't think is like, oh, they can help me ne- like negotiate some deal or they can help me find something that I couldn't find on my own. That's not the thing in working with a realtor. To me and working with a realtor is that they can help you understand how you can get out of that contract and not lose your earnest money or not suffer any consequences from it. Um, They can help you explore all the ways that you can get out of your contract. And there's ways that your contract can be structured that give you more outs than normal. So in those situations where like a builder's contract usually is going to be in favor of them, it's not likely that you can have an attorney come in and they're going to agree to your attorney's changes in the contract. What is more likely is that your attorney will help you see how can I exit that contract if things go south and I don't lose my deposit or my earnest money, especially because working with builders, normally you're putting a pretty substantial deposit down up front. Somebody in here is mentioning being hungry for steaks, and I am not really sure what that means, but uh, I'm coming in. Um, Crystal Belvin. Is it wise to hold off after the new year to possibly purchase as a first-time homebuyer? Would you like to take that? Sure. What are you waiting for? I guess that's it. That would be my only question. Why are you waiting? Are you waiting for housing prices to come down? Are you waiting for rates to come down? Are you waiting for what is it you're waiting Because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So housing, the housing market could keep going up for all we know. Mortgage rates could stay right where they are. So the only thing you're doing is by sitting on the sidelines is you're just paying somebody else's mortgage payment on your behalf. And most likely your rent payment's going to go up next year and the following year and the following year. So that that would be my comeback. I'm not trying to be rude, but Kyle, what do you think on that? I, to be frank with you, wasn't listening. <laughs> what, my, my, the whole thing was why why procrastinate? You know, why, oh, why put, okay. I mean, if there was something yeah. in your life that it was like, well, I'm supposed to get a big raise. Well, then wait. It'll just make it that much more comfortable. If you're just waiting for, what are you waiting for? That's, I guess that would be what I would skew. And then I could re- could reply off mm-hmm. of that. But we don't know. We don't know houses prices are going to come down. Are they, they're, they're expected to. We don't know what mortgage rates are going to be. So if, if right. house prices keep going up, what'd you wait on the sidelines for? If rates keep going up. I did a video this morning explained, you know, if you bought a house last year, 
or even at the beginning of this year versus where it is today because you, everybody listened to those, you know, other whatever, you, you missed out huge. And the biggest thing here, what you got to focus in on is the housing payment. So if you buy a house, like Kyle, he bought a house and now that mortgage payment is going to be the same for the next 30 years. So it's not going to change. So I would love to find out why you would you know, consider putting it off till next year. Yeah. And I, to me, there's like three big criteria in being ready to buy a home. Um, the first one is going to be, is the payment comfortable? Not taking on a mortgage payment that's that is way more than you can afford. And you can understand this very quickly by seeing, comparing it to your rent payment. Is your rent payment comfortable? Can you get a mortgage that's similar? And if so, great. If you're going to get a payment that's higher, start making practice payments. If your rent payment right now is $1,500 a month and you want to buy a home that's $2,000 a month, start setting aside an extra $500 in a separate account. See for the next three months. How does that feel? If that money actually is gone from your account, is that stressful or not? So I think having a comfortable payment is great. Um, number two is buying for the the mid to long term, which is going to be five years plus. So you're not expecting to move for the next five years. That's going to help you weather any downturns uh, in pricing. Um, statistically, over the past 50 years, the long the longest time that we've seen a downturn in recovery is six years, meaning that if you bought at the height, and this is actually post 2008, um, if you bought at the height before real estate prices dropped and then waited six years you would not have lost any money. It would have evened out. So the prices went from the height, they went down, they came back up, and that process was six years. Over 50 years, that's the longest it's taken to see that recovery. Um, and then third is having emergency savings. Uh, so this is gonna be your monthly survival number. How much does it cost you to live? Your gas, your electric, your future mortgage payment, your uh, groceries, all the things. That times three, you need to have that saved in your account after you pay for your house. After you pay your down payment, closing costs, you should have three months of expenses saved up. Six is even better if you can get to it. Um, <laughs> Drew was like, uh, he's like, you're live and answering emails. The amount of notifications I have up on my screen right now is um, is uh, is a lot. Uh, my brother asked, how hard are barn dominium loans to build slash close? You have any insight barn Barn dominiums are basically a like pole barn converted into a home. Oh, that's kind of cool. That is that a more of a midway uh, like a Ohio? I'm I'm <laughs> don't you come at I'm me with West Ohio? Virginia. I know. Don't come at me with Ohio slander. Um, I'm from West Virginia, so I I haven't seen you. Know, I, I I have seen it in Pennsylvania before. I. Man, there's, I used to know more about barn dominiums. They're just so rare that they're one of those things that I don't keep in my brain. Um, I need to look them up. I know that they can, from an appraisal perspective, can be tough um, yeah. because there's not a lot of like, there's not like a barn dominium neighborhood, for instance. Um, yeah, you, unique homes are really hard to finance because the lenders, you got to look at it. Somebody's willing to give you the money. You might think the house is awesome, but other people might think the house, they really don't like it. So there has to be a, a big market for that house because if you default, you got to look at it the, on the lender's point of view a lot of times. If you default, they're not a real, they're not in the real estate business. They want to get rid of that house as soon as they can to recoup their money. So if it's a really, really, really unique house, it might be hard to sell. So that's why the lenders are really kind of picky when it really comes to unique homes. 
Yeah, Drew said, uh, and Drew, Drew Coleman is uh, an underwriter. If you hear us keep mentioning Drew. Um, and uh, I'm getting Drew on the channel soon. I kind of want to start doing, you know, Dan and I obviously did the weekly lives. Um, I think I might do a second weekly live and start bringing on guests. Like last week we had Catalina who does uh, help help with student loans. I'd love to get an appraiser, I'm sorry, an underwriter on like Drew to get an appraiser on, a home inspector, home insurance. I'd love to get on some, you know, uh, different perspectives because I, I think everyone, most of the people educating in the real estate space are primarily realtors. And then there's a couple of loan officers. Uh, and then there's no one else that I see. Uh, and I think it's helpful to, you know, not just get your information from just one side. Um, it's helpful to kind of spread that out between you know a bunch of different people who know stuff. Um, ASLS2884. Uh, that is also the password to my YouTube account. Um, said, if my, that's a joke, please don't try to get into my YouTube account. Uh, I don't. <laughs> so here's a here's a fun trick and dan don't say anything that would uh that okay. would compromise you here uh if you have your publicly viewable email address as your youtube login uh it's easier for people to get into your google account because they can actually fish your email like for okay for instance my public, my public email is kyle at whenthehouseyoulove.com. You can email me and I'll respond. It's a real email address. Um, and it's a real person suffering through a mild slog of emails that I respond to as quickly as I can. Uh, if that was the email I used for my Google account, people could try to fish me, like get me to click a link or log into something on my email and then use that as a way to get into my Google account. My Google account is attached to an email that nobody knows and isn't public anywhere. So it's impossible for somebody to try to fish my account because nobody even knows what my email address is. So all that to say, it's really smart to use a kind of a burner email account that you don't have anywhere at, for your Google account. Cool. Um, okay. I don't even know how I got on that tangent. Uh, if my credit report shows, this is, the cough gonna... drops. Oh, the next 30 minutes is going to be really fun. My credit report shows the month and year charge off. Um, if my credit report shows the month and year a charge off will be removed, will it not be counted against me or do I have to wait until it's gone? So the charge off is gone. You don't have to worry about paying it because what happens is the company that was trying to collect charged it off. So on their books, on their taxes, on their whatever you want to, their financials, they wrote it off. So now they legally can't collect on it. So when you're looking for a mortgage, if it's in if it's in collections, not a problem. If it's in char it's charged off, we don't even look at it. How much do home inspections cost? Um, my brother actually came in with a nice little answer on there. Depends on your area around here, expect, and that's Ohio. 450 to 600, depending on the size of the house, adding on termite, roughly 50 to 75 bucks. Um, Sebastian, I'm planning to buy an investment property out of state in Ohio. Um, so many investors want to move to Ohio or want to buy in Ohio. Get out of here. I'm just kidding, but maybe not a ton. Uh, we need more people moving to Ohio. This is, a, it's a good place, except for the snow. 
Uh, plan to buy an investment property out of state in Ohio. Also a house where I will reside in VA. Uh, any advice on which one to buy first to make financing less cumbersome or DTI when applying? This is a really easy one. Buy your primary residence first. That makes everything so much easier. Um, because this is going to be a new investment property, it's not always easy to count that rental income, uh, which can offset your debt to income ratio. Just buy your primary residence first. When you buy your investment pro <clears throat> when you buy your investment property, you can use future rental income to help offset that for your approval. Mike, uh, a race, a race. I don't know. After buying a four-family building or a four-unit building, um, living in one unit for a year, could I then use the income from that multifamily towards buying a single-family home? Absolutely. So basically what you do is we take all the rents that you're, you're claiming. Well, if once you've had the property for a year or two and you have taxes on it, we can actually break it down like a profit and loss on that, that in property that you have as a four unit. And then once you move out, that income is also going to be calculated into that. So that, that whole building should basically cash flow for you and be giving you income to use and increase your wages and increase your income, thus increasing your purchase power. Drew said, Ohio, 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 blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Drew, where do you live? I mean, obviously don't tell me if you don't want to, but I'm just curious where you live. Um, Oregon. Victor. Gosh, don't get started on <laughs> Oregon again. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, what would be the top three potential obstacles in the process towards closing? Interesting. Let's do one, take one each. I think one of the biggest obstacles is the appraisal. Uh, getting everything submitted to an underwriter, getting approval after you've already been pre-approved is pretty easy. Uh, the next big kind of thing in the air is like, will the house appraise for what you went under contract for? Pick number two. Yeah. What's your top uh, thing? Shoot, shoot, shoot. I'm kind of at a loss for words. It's one of those things where like, do you ever have somebody ask you, they're like, what are the odds of me getting, like, what's the chances? Like, just give me a number of me getting approved. I'm like, it's such an arbitrary. Yeah. <laughs> what I see sometimes is people will go out. So what will happen is we'll, we'll get you pre-approved and everything based on your current income and your credit and everything. But what some people do is, and I've had this happen, they go out and buy a car during the, during the, the yeah. period we're working. And then what's going to happen is right before you close, there's going to be a soft pool credit uh, pulled on you. You don't even know about it. And we're going to see if there's any other debts that you did or, or purchased or whatever else. I just had one today. The the lady, uh, all of a sudden we had a soft pool right before closing and she just opened a new credit card and charged 5,000 bucks. Love that. And a hundred dollars toward the debt ratio that we have to contend with. So please don't go out and, and do it. But here's why I tell a lot of the clients, once you apply and get pre-approved, stop your, stop a lot of things. Don't move money around a lot. Try to save as much as you can. And don't, especially don't go out there and buy a bunch of stuff, especially a lot, you know, like a car or something like that, that's going to add three, four, five hundred $500 a month to your monthly debts because it will be found. Yeah. Drew said uh, credit card transfers. That's an interesting. Um, I did not take the appropriate time to find and queue up the next question. Uh, the man with a plan 61, uh, what's the time period for applying for a mortgage under a single inquiry? 
Uh, the CFPB, which is the government body that regulates credit, um, says you have 45 days from the first poll. You have 45 days where basically unlimited mortgage credit inquiries only affect your score as one inquiry. All the other inquiries are still going to be on your credit report, but they'll only affect you as one inquiry. One inquiry impacts your score zero to five points. Um, blue smoke chaser. So if there's an issue, if I'm an, so is there an issue if I'm a union worker with a seasonal layoff, how would that look to underwriting or to the mortgage company? I answered him and he was in my chat. So I'll, I'll go through oh. Um, so if you're a, a union worker, let's say like in Illinois, you might be a road worker or a construction where December, January, February, you're not working. All we need to do is show a pattern that every year you get unemployment and we can you we can actually use that unemployment. But we can also, you don't even have to be back to work if, it, if you can show a pattern of that happening every year. So for example, if you filed last year, there's unemployment. You were on the year before you filed, you had unemployment. We know probably most likely you're in the same job. You're in the union. You've been there for years. It's going to happen the following year and the following year and so forth. So it shouldn't be a big issue unless this is the first time you've ever done it. And then that could be an issue. Um, let's see here. Uh, Soy Solo E, amazing channel. We're set to close in Aubrey, Texas on the 27th of December. Is there anything that can have our contract terminated at this point? Or are we too deep in the game? Um, like we, there it is. Like we kind of mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, yeah, those changes in like credit or income definitely don't do any big changes with your finances unless you talk to your loan officer first. Um, really, the only other thing that's kind of like a big deal is the appraisal. I don't see if that's been done yet or not. But uh, once you have the appraisal back and you have your approval from your underwriter, it's pretty smooth sailing after that. I don't see any problem. A lot of problems that come up after that. Uh, Matt said he is. Oh, where'd it go? On a plane to Arizona? How do you have? Did you pay for the Wi-Fi on uh on your plane? Matt, the mortgage guy. Yeah. What's up, buddy? I haven't seen. You know what? I, I haven't looked looked through all my YouTube things today to find find any recent videos from Matt. I didn't see them. I'll have to, I'll have to search. I'll do he it just uploaded one today about uh, conventional loan limits, and I did too, which is now at uh, 726200 How about the balance? Right? One, one point something million just, dollars. That's it's like a nuts. million and one hundred dollars or something like that, or a million and a thousand or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's There that's he fun. is. He's heading to um, Arizona. He's got a list of channels to subscribe to. Dan, this guy, Matt. Javier, MG, the mortgage guy, Jeb Smith, all fantastic. Um, what are the differences between realtors? How do I make a decision on who to choose? Would you like to take that? I guess it's like finding a boyfriend or girlfriend. It's who you click. And I mean, that's the way I'll put it. A lot of times you just want uh, yeah. with a realtor. I'll stay up. And I didn't say which sex goes to which. So I just said a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. Um, you just have to be comfortable with them. What I don't like, I don't like pushy salesmen. I don't like, I let me, you take me on and give me the, everything I need to see and all the options. Let me decide, give me your point of view. But so many of them, you know, they could be a really, really pushy person. It could be, you want somebody that's, here's what I would suggest. I would suggest somebody who's full-time that does it for a living. You know, they don't freelance maybe on the weekends or whatever. 
and they, they, they've been in the market and you, you have some credible references for uh, because there's a lot of people out there that sell one, two, three houses a year and freelance at it and do it you know, at their leisure. I would stay away from that. Love it. We need to start. Uh, Shark Attack said, I too tried to date my realtor. Uh, I, we should make a realtor dating app. There you go. You know, that could be an interesting concept where uh, well, let me ask swipe my wife through your... Hold on. Can I go after <laughs> She's right so, up there. I'll, I'll make it one more dating app that I have to download. Okay, we answered that question. Hello, guys. I... Moo question. Not sure what that is. Is what did your advice about buy a land first or house for a first-time buyer? Okay, let me reread that. I... Hello, guys. What's your advice about buying a land first or a house for first-time homebuyer? Um, so I'm going to try to answer this because I, I'm a little confused, but if you're asking about like buying a land or buying a house, if you're a first time home buyer, um, and you want to buy a home, I would buy a house. If you're buying land, it doesn't have house, like a house on it. And you would need like a construction loan to build that home. Um, personally, I think that if it's your first time buying a house, you should probably buy one that's already built, um, and not go through the kind of the stress that can come with a new construction property. Um, is there anything in there that you saw that was like, maybe you would be helpful? I, maybe he was thinking of buying or he or she buying the lot and then eventually building on that. Mm. That And that's a pre personal preference. Me, I would err on the same side as you would, Kyle. I would buy an existing home. I, I don't like, you know, building. Maybe my last house that I ever live in would be built. Uh, but just getting out of the gate, you know, I, I'm not a yeah. proponent of land and so forth, but that's, again, it's a preferable. It's, it's one of those things too. You don't even like know what you want until I feel like until you live in a home and you're, you understand kind of, you know, what are all those like weird quirks that you did or didn't like, um, which is a side note. I like, I appreciate everyone who asks questions, even, even like, you know, sometimes questions like this come through and it's, we're trying our best to like understand, uh, what that person's trying to communicate. Um, I was on a live stream earlier today, not like a real estate related one. And I asked this question and like, you know, when people are burnt out and they like, they like explain things in a way that's like kind of aggressive. Uh, like I asked this person a question and I said the word like lag. It was like a software thing. I was like, Hey, how do I like fix the lag on this thing? And then he went off on this like angry tangent about like everyone always complains and it's called latency. It's not lag. It's like, <laughs> I was like, what a weird way to like try to develop a community. It had yeah. such like a bad taste for it, uh, you know, because it's like I, you asked me to come to you for questions and now you're mad because I didn't understand how to format it correctly or like yeah. use the right word in your language. All that to say, like if you're in that, like you might be on the stream and we're talking about stuff. And you're like, I have no clue what these guys are talking about. That's OK. Like we're here to help you understand things. Um, so if you have questions, if you need like further explanation, please email me, email Dan. Um, I'll go ahead and put my email here in the, uh, in the chat. Like, don't feel like there's dumb questions. That's our job is to be here to help you understand things. And I never want, I never want this channel to get to the point where somebody asks a question and maybe that, you know, it's one of those things where like, you don't even know what to ask. Sometimes I've been there in a ton of different things. I never want you to feel like you need to know all the right, you need to know all the right words to say and how to format the question and all these things. Like we're here to help. Please don't feel like there's a bad question. 
Um, we're going to do our best to help to try to understand what are you asking and how can we help you with that. Um, so it's my, my little tangent there. It's just so strange going, going to someone else's stream and then like, they're like mad about some, you know, someone asking a question and like, how are you, what do you, are, isn't that what you want? Like we're here, like I want people to ask questions if no one, yeah, go ahead. I feel like I'm yelling at the, like the, at the screen and it's, it's just, I'm passionate about this. And once you get to know me, it's just my personality. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't think anyone thinks that you're yelling. Uh, should we do a poll? Poll is Dan yelling? <laughs> no, we're not going to, we're not going to do a poll. Is Dan yelling? Uh, true. Oh, I have another follow-up question from that guy rye is it advantageous or possible to do fha loan by yourself before marriage then another fha loan using a spouse's name and then finally get married uh, i can take that absolutely um there's not you don't have to be married to get any loan um and then you absolutely after you uh, get married you can then buy another house that's absolutely possible blue smoke chaser uh do you want to take this what is a seller concession Seller concession is basically how much the seller is going to give you back in, we'll say credits, meaning they'll, they'll say, okay, you, you, you buy our house for $300,000 and we're going to give you a $5,000 credit back to cover any closing costs or something like that. And uh, what, we, what a lot of people are using that for right now is actually to buy down the rate. Yes. You like cut for just a second. Oh, you're back. Okay. I heard you. Yeah, you were just lag for a second. Yeah, I am seeing that lag a little bit. Um, we'll push through. Eddie Royal question. I'm looking to keep my old first home and rent it out. Can you tell me or direct me to how to do this? Uh, do how to set this up? Um, there's really not a lot to set up, to be honest with you. Uh, so I'm assuming you right now you currently still live in that home. You're just going to go through the purchase process like normal. Dan is frozen. Yes. <laughs> oh no, Dan, if you can hear me, uh, you're frozen. Um, okay. I'm sure he'll hop back on. I'm going to do here and we'll, okay. Let's see. There he is. There he is. There he is. No idea what's going on. I have full bars on my phone. Everything's perfect. That it's just, I don't know. So I got a brand new phone. That's so, Eddie, <laughs> Andy was Eddie's like, no, he's just a really intense Chicago. listener. Oh, he's Dallas, Texas. What's that? <laughs> Andy was like, no, he's just a really intense listener. Cause your face was like, kind of like, it was like stuck on one of those. And for a second I was like, I can see, I can see it on my, I'm delayed. I got another screen going with the YouTube he's on listening yeah. or yeah, he has a rock right. solid focus. If I hired. I'm really tired. <laughs> a long I'll week. say also feel free to hop, like you can hop off whenever. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, okay. I'm looking to keep my old home, first home and rent it out. Can you tell me to direct me how to set this up? Yes. So go ahead and purchase a new home like normal. Keep living in yours. I wouldn't try to rent it out while you're doing the moving process. That's, I think it's just too much to work on. Focus on buying your new home. Okay. Talk to your loan officer about, Hey, I'm going to, to rent this out. Um, and they can help you explore. Uh, if that's something that can fit in your debt to income ratio or not, if it can't, then you may need to look at starting to, um, get a lease agreement on your home. 
Um, and this is as simple as it can be a friend of yours or it can, you know, who, who's going to rent it out or you can go list it on a rental site and have a tenant with that. Um, I, I'm not going to like direct you on how to rent out your home, like how to set up your lease agreement and all that kind of stuff. Tons of resources online on best practices, um, for that. Uh, but really there's not a lot to it. The big question now is really, can you buy a home? while still having this mortgage payment in your debt to income ratio, or do you need a lease agreement executed to help offset that mortgage payment? Other than that, uh, you shouldn't really run into any uh, issues. Um, pros and cons for a buy down. You want to take that? Sure. Um, there's really no pros. I think I just answered this on my screen too. There's really no pros or cons really all you're doing is paying what happens is we just take two or three years of your the interest differential when you're buying down the rate um and you're prepaying the goal here is to have the seller of the house we're looking to buy in the concessions we were talking about so let's say they're giving you three percent in concessions or five thousand dollars or eight thousand dollars or whatever using that money to use toward that buy down. So it doesn't cost you anything. And then if you ever end up refinancing or whatever, you're going to get that money back. But the goal here is to use, or to take it and have somebody else pay it. If you're paying it yourself, there's no, there's no difference. You're, there's no savings there. There's no pros or cons either which way. The pro would be if you can get the seller to buy, pay it. The con would be if you can't get the seller to pay it, there's really no yeah. need to do it. It's funny how many like, lenders are coming out and they're like this acting like this is like some new the weird like ice bridge. yeah and it's like it, nope it's literally the seller is giving you money your lender is keeping it in a separate account and they pay part of your mortgage payment from that it can yeah. be a strategy but it's not like this insane i would use that money to pay down uh closing costs personally yeah, um, but if you don't need help with if you don't need help with your closing costs, then that could be a strategy that you use. The it's one, one of the benefit. Use it or lose it too. So yeah, use it. I will say the the one big benefit of the buy down as opposed to like paying paying for closing costs or getting a reduction in the purchase price is like you mentioned, you can get a refund uh, of the buy down portion that you don't use. So for instance, like if the seller is going to give you ten thousand dollars and you use it to pay off your closing costs, um, you didn't pay the closing costs up front. The seller paid that for you, but you can never get that money back um, in a sense. But with the buy down, that money sits in an account and pays a portion of your monthly payment. And let's say that you uh, refinance or sell within like a year, um, then you can get a portion of that back. And I actually have, let me see here. I have uh, a calculator that does this. So you can just go to winthehouseyoulove.com, go to tools, and then two one buy down. And what it will do, like I have a video here that explains it all. You put in your purchase price, down payment, and what your estimated interest rate is. So it will show you, you know, all this stuff, you know, we need $10,000 from the seller. Um, but then if you refinance or sell, you can get a refund of what's left in your account. So you could see, you know, in this period of time, if you refinance or sell, let's say that we're, we refinance to get to a lower rate in 17 months. So a year and five months. We have $1,900 left over in this account that can be applied towards our refinance. Whereas if we used you know, $9,700 for our closing costs, it was already used. 
where in this instance it sits in a separate account and is it's used monthly um if hopefully that makes sense oh man the wave of tire just hit me um how much money do i need to make a year to buy a house now really subjective question depends on like what your income is, how much debt you have, where you want to buy, how big the house is going to be. I have a calculator that does all this math for you. Uh, you can go to my website. Um, it's called the Max Purchase Price Calculator. You can also just go to winthehouseyoulove.com slash maxprice, um, and that can help you out. Uh, or you can reach out to us, and we can help you go through a pre-approval and take a look at um, what some numbers would look like for you, really whatever you would like to do. Sebastian asked, as a loan officer, do you get a better rate or closing costs than regular customers when buying a house? Also, your dog it looks so cool. <laughs> do you see that dog? It's like gray with blue eyes and a chain. I, the, the screen that I see is delayed on my computer, so it'll pop up here in a second. Okay, do you want to take this? Well, I, I, I don't, I didn't see it again. I'm sorry. What was the question again? Uh, oh, as a loan officer, do you get better rates or closing costs than a regular customer when buying a house? I mean, sometimes we'll get a lower, you know, we can, if we do the loan ourselves, and we're working at a bank, we can. Uh, usually if we do our own loan and we, we, we broker it out, just like we would broker your loan out, there's really no, there's no benefits. We got to pay, you know, if there's a lender fee, we got to pay the lender fee. We got to pay appraisals. We got to pay title. We got to pay the same things. Um, da, 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 da. man, I think it's, um, it's getting about time to wrap this up. We hit two hours. So here is the deal. Thank you everyone for being here. Um, I want to give you a couple resources before you leave here. Okay. So on my website, I have several calculators and tools you can use. Please email me if you have questions. As you can see, we got, we did a good job getting through these questions with a 30 minute timer. Uh, still couldn't answer every single one. And we've been going for two hours. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's 8 p.m. right now in Ohio. For Dan, it's 7. Uh, I think you're one hour behind, right? Yeah. Um, so as much as we'd love to answer your questions, we can't be here all night and go through every single one. Um, please reach out to us. We have a team of loan officers. We're licensed in all 50 states. We would love to help you if that's what you're looking for or if we can just answer a question. If you'd love to just schedule a call, your questions answered. If you want to look at a, a pre-approval or a quote, we can help you with that too. Tons of resources on my website. We're also going to do this live stream next week on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Um, and we'd love to answer your questions there as well. You're always welcome to leave a comment on my YouTube channel. Please subscribe to Dan's channel as well. Uh, you can just search Dan Frio. He makes a video every, almost every single day. Um, and yeah, any parting words? Oh, I, I greatly appreciate you guys coming because without this, uh, you us being live, it's irrelevant. Cal and I just look at each other. So we love the feedback you guys are giving it's us. That's things, why, yeah. As long as you guys show up and ask questions, we'll continue to do this. And if you come next week, Dan is actually going to have a mustache. Should I? Okay, so, so what's the thing? Should I color it, shave it? Ah, we'll worry about that. I'm old. here. All right. We need a parting poll. Let's see. Let's see. Poll. Don't leave. Don't don't leave okay. yet, guys. Not you. Some people we oh. wrapped up and now people are like, should Dan have a mustache? So, OK, yes, no. Ask your community. So to be f I want to I want to pad your feelings for a second. 
because when I first made some videos with a mustache, oof, got some rough, got some rough comments. Remember seeing your first video, I think, with a mustache. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? What's <laughs> 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 bad too? Like, my my oldest son. You guys have the like kid kid features. I don't mean that. very young features. Yeah, yeah. Other son Patrick. He's he's on our team. He, he, I think he had a beard at eighth grade. So it's like, you know what we could do do is we could do, you know, whoever loses next time can't shave for a week. How's that? Ooh, that's a really interesting one. So if you lose week after week after week, you might have a beard by the end of the month. I think it's got to be like a shave off because none of this grows. This doesn't, nothing's happening here. I've had this since I was 17. How about it's, if it's I don't answer questions on time, the next week I do uh, growth hormone live on stream. Is that a thing? That's that sounds, dude, that it's, sounds it's a holiday. Cool. We'll just do shots. All right. That's fair. Hey, we got, should Dana have a mustache? 79% yes. To be fair, there's only 24 votes. So I don't know if it's a statistically significant poll, but, uh, Tune in next week. Dan's going to have a mustache. 6 p.m. Wednesday. 6 p.m. Eastern Wednesday. And uh, it's about that time where we just got to end it. So please email us if you have questions. Thank you so much for being here. And we'll talk to you next week.